Are you thinking about renting an RV on your trip to Alaska? If so, this episode is for you. Welcome to the Alaska Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Jenny Twing Flaming. I bring you accurate, helpful, and entertaining information about Alaska travel and life in Alaska. My guest today is Bob Johnson. Bob is the director of marketing with Great Alaskan Holidays, Alaska's largest motorhome rental company, catering to adventure travelers from all over the world. Bob and his wife, Pam, have lived in Alaska for 16 years, moving to Alaska from Grand Rapids, Michigan, where Bob worked in the automotive industry for many years. Their move entailed selling nearly all their possessions, hopping in a motorhome, and driving to Alaska with no jobs, no place to live, no friends, and no other prospects really of any kind. During this move, Bob and Pam fell in love with RVing, especially in Alaska. In addition to RVing, Bob loves gardening and pretty much anything else outdoors. Bob, welcome to Alaska Uncovered. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, it's great to have you too. So I know I teased this a little bit in the intro, but tell me a little bit more about your move to Alaska 16 years ago and um, what made you decide to make that move Yeah, and any highlights about the... Uh, why? Oh, actually, I would love to know why you decided to do it in an RV. Well, prior to... Uh, moving here, I had vacationed here several times. And really the first time I visited here, I thought, you know what, I need to live here at some point. I need to move here. Uh, and then between then and moving, I met Pam, who is now my wife. And I told Pam when we first met, I said, you know, you, I, I love you. You're great, but you need to know something. Um, if we get married, we're moving to Alaska at some point. And all she heard was blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and until the first time I visited here with her, we went back home and she said, okay, I get it. Uh, when are we, when are we moving? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. She got it right away. So we, uh, we did exactly that. We got rid of everything. I mean, we had typical 1500 square foot house and, Typical Midwest U.S. loaded with everything you'd find in a house and sold all of it. That's awesome. Traded. uh, We sold one of our cars to a friend for a dollar in exchange for loaning us his motorhome to drive up here and use it as a place to live, which we did the first winter. We lived in the motorhome. And awesome. And in exchange, uh, a year down the road, we would fly him up here so he could drive it one way back home. Oh, that is a perfect deal. Yeah, That's it just awesome. worked out. We we needed a we needed a, a system in place to help us get here, but we also needed some place to live when we landed here. Right. And, and the motorhome was. I mean, we we were letting our dogs out when it was 17 degrees below zero in the middle of January at three o'clock in the morning in a non-winterized motorhome. It was rough. <laughs> wow. That yeah, must've been really challenging. It was cold, man. <laughs> but you know what? It was, you, you pay your dues here and there and yeah, everything works out. So it's awesome. We love it here. Yes. That is, that is really Awesome. I lit when I lived in Alaska, I lived in a dry cabin near Fairbanks, but I've never and actually I did live in an RV for one summer, but it wasn't during the winter. That was when I was working in Skagway. And sure. yeah, the cabin, of course, is a little bit bigger than a motorhome and it is winterized, but because it doesn't have running water. So that's an easy way to win- winterize is not have any plumbing to start with. Yeah, it can it really teaches you what you're capable of. I bet. Then you can you can do just about anything. So was Pam still feeling good about it on that oh, January yeah. day? Yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's a trooper. That's she awesome. doesn't care. I mean, she's going to go wherever the road leads. Love it. Yeah. That's so fun. I love that story. Um, so Bob, could you tell us, you know, since we're talking about RVing today, 
and specifically motorhomes, since that's um, mostly what you all are renting at Great Alaskan. What are some things that travelers should consider before they decide to rent an RV in Alaska? If they're, say, deciding between that and renting in a renting a car and staying in hotels or taking the train and going to hotels, what are some things they should consider in that decision? Uh, I think one of the things, there's a couple things. Uh, the first thing is, you know, what do you want to do when you're here? Do you want to be, do you want to do another entity's schedule like the hotel or the or the the car or or you know have, having to be certain places at certain times or are you more interested in the freedom to literally fill up your home on wheels with the provisions that you need and going wherever you want to go whenever you want to go there uh it just depends on what you want. I mean, that's a primary consideration. The other primary consideration is who are you coming with? Is it a family? Is it you and uh, some friends? Is it you and your your husband or your wife? Is it two people? Is it eight people? Um, so where you want to go and what you want to do and, and the party that you're traveling with are really the two primary considerations. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So one thing when I'm helping people plan their trips or people have questions for me, often they're feeling a little anxious. They they may want to rent an RV, but they're like, oh, I've never driven anything other than a Honda Accord sure. um, or maybe a pickup truck. Um, what advice do you have for someone who has never driven an RV before and is considering it for their truck? Relax. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy. Um we have 22-foot motorhomes, which really is a lot like driving a van. Yeah. You really don't even, you don't know the difference. There are some that are much longer, like 32-foot long. Those are the ones that people get kind of squirrely about driving. Yeah. But quite honestly, if you are driving it for a few minutes, a half an hour, you're going to get over that fear very quickly. It's not difficult to drive at all. The only there's only two things you really need to be aware of. Number one is uh, the turn radius is bigger, so you have to accommodate for a much longer turn turn a turning vehicle and uh, speed uh, because it's a it's a very heavy, very big vehicle that requires a little bit more distance to stop. Yeah, though, and all of that stuff really is covered in our orientation. When somebody comes here, they can either watch orientation online or they can watch the video here all of that stuff is covered so before you get in the motorhome we've done everything in our power to put you as much at ease as we possibly can there's always still that human nature to be a little bit nervous of course yeah and like i said it, it goes away really really quickly once you're behind the wheel yeah yep yeah and, and that always- is Oh, go ahead, Bob. It's really seeing is believing, though. It's one thing to tell somebody, but they have to go out and do it. And then they go, well, yeah, it is easy. Yeah. I think it's nice, too, that if you're renting a motorhome in Alaska, it's not like you're going to leave the yard and have to drive the motorhome through, like, Manhattan or downtown Los Angeles, you know, yeah. you've got wide streets generally, right. um, you know, not huge. There's traffic in Anchorage, but not, not like bumper to bumper, like right. super intense traffic. And I think that really helps too. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one small portion in downtown Anchorage where you see something like that. Other than that, it's, it's really a not issue. It's a not yeah. Issue. If you had to guess, like, what percentage of people who rent motorhomes from you in a given summer have never driven one before, what what would you guess? Do you think it's the majority or um, a few? No, it's probably 20, 25% that have never done it before. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And they do just fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it very seldom. Um, it, it's not driving the motorhome. It's... You know, a moose jumping out in front or somebody, somebody's wheels catching the soft shoulder of the road. Yeah. Just, 
just quirky little things that probably won't happen, but sometimes do. Yeah. Um, that just pop up, but you know, but just driving the motorhome is we never hear of any problems. Yeah. Yeah. And those things like a moose or a soft shoulder are things that can be an issue in any vehicle, not exactly. just yeah. a motorhome. So right. yeah. Okay. So you touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but what are some of the reasons why renting a motorhome is such a great way to see Alaska? Well, um, you're, you're really, you're, you're as tied to an itinerary as you want to be. Uh, you, you pick up the motorhome, you go to the grocery store, you provision it, and you are in Alaska in just a few minutes. And like I said before, you can, you know, unless you've got a campground reservation somewhere, you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. I mean, it's very, very easy to experience freedom and peace of mind in a motorhome in Alaska or any place else for that matter. Mm -hmm. uh, but Alaska gives you that little extra, wow, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and the motorhome also gives you little things that people don't necessarily think of when they think about RVing. The first one is you get your, your own private bathroom and your own private bedroom. Yeah. It, it's not like you're sharing it with anybody. Mm -hmm. um, you, your own kitchen, your own refrigerator, your own pretty much your, your entertainment system. Everything is self-contained. And it's like literally like a house on wheels. Uh, privacy is another thing. You you can be you can camp as privately as you want to in a motorhome, or you can camp amongst a bunch of other campers. You have that choice. Yeah. And that choice is what an RV gives you. It gives yeah. you freedom to to make those choices on the fly. Yep. I totally agree with that. You have much more experience with motorhomes in Alaska than I do. I just have a little bit, but I completely agree with you about that. Yeah. yeah. You don't you don't have to rely on electricity hookups. You don't have to rely on water hookups. You have yes. to recharge the batteries and you have to empty out the holding tanks. Yep. But you don't have to rely on them to get through a five-day period. Yeah. That's actually something I wanted to ask you that this might be a good time to bring that up is for things like refilling the water or um, emptying the the dump tank. Um, how often, if let's say it's two people sure. in one of your motorhomes, typically how often, I know it varies based on how much water you use, of course. <laughs> and if you're somewhere where you have other bathroom options besides just the motorhome, but let's say you were going to exclusively use the water and the bathroom in the motorhome. How often, how, how often would you need to attend to those things typically? One of the things that it depends on is the size of the vehicle, because the bigger vehicles have bigger holding tanks. So those larger vehicles, it, it, if you're two, it doesn't matter if you're two people in a 22 footer or two people in a 32 footer, the larger vehicle is going to give you more capacity. Right. That makes but sense. Let's, if we look at it from a 22 footer, two people, easily three days. Cool. Easily. Yeah. And if you conserve the water a little bit and we're yeah. like a little bit more careful, yep. you could stretch You're, it further. Exactly. And, exa and yeah. we also have uh, a lot of our units have solar uh, solar panels on them. Cool. So the vehicle is, is recharging its batteries while you're doing nothing. Yeah, that's really awesome. Cool. So are there any downsides to renting a motorhome in Alaska that would be good for people to be aware of? The only, there, there's two that come to mind. Um, uh, one is, you know, a lot of people, when they go camping, they want to have the freedom to drive an economic vehicle, or economic, economic's the wrong word, a small mobile vehicle out and about. Yeah. Going to run to the grocery store or run up the hill and get some pictures or whatever. They want the uh, freedom to do that in a small vehicle. 
Mm-hmm. Those folks tend to uh, be uh, travel trailer folks where they yeah. park their RV, unhook their vehicle and take the vehicle off and do their, their quick little trips here and there. Yes. Um, in a motorhome, you're driving the motorhome to do whatever trips you're going to do. Right. Um, so that's one potential drawback. And typically when people are renting with us, it's a non-issue because they already know they're renting a motorhome and it just, it's, it doesn't come up in their decision-making process. Right. That tends to be more of a buying decision than a renting decision. Yeah. The, the other potential downside is you can only take a motorhome out into Alaska so far where you have to stop at a point where a small vehicle would let you go a little bit further. Yeah. The, the really rough roads or, you know, the trails that are the, the single tracks that are a little bit too overgrown for a motorhome that a little compact vehicle could make it through. There are some extreme limitations like that. And there are also a few roads um, that are restricted that we just don't want you driving our motorhomes on because the chances of you having a flat tire or breaking down or, or calling us for you know, some sort of vehicle rescue grows up. Yeah. Those roads are really rough. Like McCarthy road is the perfect example. Yeah. But yes, most of the people don't want to take those kind of chances anyway, even if they had a small car. Yeah. And it tends to be kind of a <laughs> bumpy ride in any vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, would you mind just sharing what, so you mentioned the McCarthy road, yeah. what other like major road, I'm not talking about every single road in, in Alaska, but what other kind of highways or major roads do you not want people to take your motorhomes onto besides the McCarthy road? Well, um, Let me, I have it right here. McCarthy Road is always the one that comes to mind because it's the most popular one that people have at the top of their minds. Yep. Um, But the Alaska Highway, like uh, east of Jake's Corner in Yukon Territory, I mean, that just the description tells you it's out there. (laughs) Uh, that's, That's one of them that under no circumstances are these roads to be traveled in one of our motor yeah. Uh, the Campbell Highway, Watson Lake up in Yukon Territory. Yep. The Dalton Highway from the Arctic Circle to Prudhoe Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hatcher Pass Road from Willow to Wasilla. I mean, those are... Uh, y- y- most people, when they're confronted with the, the very beginning of the road, would turn around anyway. Yeah. Yep. And some of those are... Not so much the McCarthy Road, but like the Campbell Highway and the um, the one on Hatcher Pass. Like some of those turns are just really, yeah, kind of way too hairpinny to do yeah. in a longer yeah. vehicle. Some, so some that makes are, a lot of sense. Yeah, some of them are actually impossible to drive with a motorhome. Yeah, right. You just literally can't make the corner. <laughs> yeah, but we have a list of about eh, it looks like about nine on our website that clearly spells. You know, these are the, these are the restricted roads. These are the prohibited roads. Yes. That makes sense. That and makes our, sense. our website is pretty robust in terms of very detailed, very clear explana- explanations about literally any kind of question you'd ever want. To yeah. Get yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, right. So I would love to know, shifting gears a little bit from some of those, like, kind of technical things specifically sure. about the motorhome. I would love to know what some of your personal favorite places are to go in an in Alaska in a motorhome yeah. or RV. So if my wife heard what I'm about to tell you, she would kill me. <laughs> you know, Alaska Alaskans have secrets. Well, that, you don't have to give away any secrets, yeah, but if you, you want know, to, I won't, I won't uh, a, complain. Yeah. There's a place that's uh, it's in Nanilchik. It's a little, you know, very, very quaint little Alaskan slash Russian Orthodox kind of a, a time 
or a village that time left behind kind of yeah. a place down on the Kenai Peninsula that is really my go-to spot mm-hmm. um, for a few reasons. Uh, number one, there's not many people there at all. Yeah. Um, the it's really easy to get to, but you could drive right by it, not even know you just drove right by it. Yep. So there's not a lot of people there. It's beautiful. Beaches are big and empty and you can walk for hours beachcombing and you can, you can find stuff that floated up from Japan or, or, you know, uh, fishing vessels that are out in Cook Inlet. You can find all kinds of stuff that floats up on the beach. Yeah. And if you're a gardener or more specifically a junk gardener, that beach is a gold mine. That's awesome. It, it's also, you know, the, with the volcanoes on the other side and the, and, the, and the beauty of the Cook Inlet, there's a lot of peace in that area. Um, yeah. But there's also a lot of spots exactly like that in the surrounding area. Uh, that whole stretch down the Kenai Peninsula, the uh, west side of the Kenai Peninsula is loaded with places that you'll come back with stories just like that. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's a great spot. Um, there's eagles everywhere, especially if there's, there's fish in the area. You can fish for halibut right on the beach or there's a number of halibut charters that go out of that area mm-hmm. not only in Anilchik but other surrounding villages um so there's a lot to do there uh, the campgrounds are rustic i don't I mean, i'm sure there's campgrounds there that have electrical hookups and, and water hookups but the ones that we've been to are dry they're very rustic mm-hmm but they're very infrequented. So you have a lot of privacy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And our dogs love it there. Oh, <laughs> so it sounds like a dog's paradise. Forever, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other parts of Alaska that you think are particularly fantastic to go to in an RV? Yeah. Telkeaton is always a blast. Yeah. Um, and and then. In my opinion, Talkeetna is not a not a town to pass through. It's a town to go to and experience for a couple of days. Yeah, it's worth it. Talkeetna is pretty awesome. Yeah, like soaking in the just the vibe of the town. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's a there's there's such a cool energy there that I mean you can't ignore it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nally National Park is very popular. Uh, but it's popular for a reason. I mean, it's one of the prettiest parks in the country. It's a it's yep. one of our it's one of our most valued national parks in the entire nation. Uh, in addition to uh, Wrangell Saint Elias, as you kind of move east on the east side of the state, yep, that's a spectacular drive. Not only park, but just the drive there is stunning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got. Uh, the the common places like Homer and Seward, but literally, the great thing about the uh, traveling these places in an RV is, if you find a cool spot and you love the view and you, there's not many people there or there might not be anybody there, pull over and, and live there yep. for a, as long as you want to. As long as yeah. there's no parking, there's not a no parking sign or it's not prohibited in some visual fashion you can park anywhere yeah it's very cool that's actually i want to ask a little more about that in particular because i have a lot of people ask me things about rvs but also actually about tent camping you know like how how do you know if it's going to be an okay place to camp um and or how do I know how many places? I guess that's a separate question about reservations. So maybe start with the first one. If you're going to camp outside of a campground yep. with a motorhome or a tent, but let's just stick with motorhoming. Okay. How do you recommend people figure out a good place to do that or making sure it's an okay place to do that? 
Um, what what advice do you have around that? Well, it, it, a lot of it depends on your comfort level. How yeah. far, how far away from civilization do you want to get? Uh, always keeping in the back of your mind that hey, if something were to go wrong, what are my options? Yep. Um, there are some places that you just you don't want to go because of uh, the clearance that the <clears throat> excuse me the vehicle clearance that's required, like uh, tree branches, and there's there. There's some places the motorhome just simply won't fit. Yeah. Yep. And I wouldn't recommend trying to fit something in there that you have a question about. Ah, should I be doing this? If that question comes up, then the answer is probably <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> really uh, good advice. Yeah. But just know what I would suggest is know your surroundings, know the yep. area that you're in. Um, if it's a heavily traveled bear area, you want to be super extra careful. Yes. If you're going to be cooking outside over a, a campfire. Um, and you know, there, there, those things need to be thought about. Yeah. Um, yep. but for the most part, I don't know of a whole lot of places in the state that are going to be dangerous because you're not inclined to think about going there anyway. Right. Campgrounds are always a safe bet. And yep. the, campground, the, the campgrounds don't have to be motorhome on top of motorhome on top of motorhome. There's plenty yep. of privacy in campgrounds around here. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and the, I don't remember the other part of your question. Oh, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I should wait and ask that after <laughs> instead of asking two at the same time. The other one was about places that you do need reservations for okay. camping that tend okay. to fill up. And I was just wondering if you could share kind of in your experience, yeah. what those places are. Yeah. Uh, prior to the pandemic, and I don't really know what the pandemic had to do with this, but prior to that, you you could go a lot of, in a lot of different campgrounds and, and not worry about needing a reservation. But yeah. for some reason, Seward the city of Seward, which is one of the most popular and beautiful, by the way, campgrounds in the entire state, uh, started requiring advanced reservations. Yeah. It used to be a first come, first serve. And then a couple of years ago, three years ago, they switched policies and they kept that policy to, even to this day. Yeah. Where there's only two campgrounds in Seward that don't require reservations in advance the more popular ones, the, the ones that people would naturally gravitate towards are requiring reservations. Uh, Denali National Park, you're going to need a reservation. Yes. Campgrounds in Homer, you might get away with not having a reservation, but I wouldn't chance it, especially in months like July. Yeah. Uh, but if you get off into the littler, the smaller towns like Manilchik or you know, Kenai, Soldatna, uh, Nikiski, the, the odds that you're going to need a reservation go down quite a bit. Yeah. Because they're just, they're not those classic popular destinations. Yep. Yep. And I think part of what you said, especially about Seward and Homer, is those are really popular places with Alaskans too, not just yeah. people who are visiting Alaska. So, um, that's another reason why yeah. Yeah, it's no, good no. to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the same place. Those are the places that I would have guessed. What about some of the like state park campgrounds that are fairly close to Anchorage? I have encountered those being full sometimes too, but you have yeah. a lot more experience with more people. What's yeah. been your experience with places like Eagle River and like Portage Valley and places like that? Yeah, they're they're going to fill up, especially Portage. Uh, when you compare Eagle River to Portage, Portage is going to fill up probably a lot quicker because most of the people out of the gate are heading south. Um, yeah. But I, I think a rule of thumb would be if you have any doubts I would strongly recommend just going ahead and getting a reservation. Yeah. Um, because the, especially in the middle of the summer is the yeah. most popular time of year, whether you're tent camping or, 
or Airbnb or hotel or RV, whatever the case may be, um, that's the hot spot in the summer that I, I really think you shouldn't chance it. Just yeah. Go ahead and get a reservation. Yep. Um, however, when you get reservations, I would also recommend that you get several days in a row. Mm-hmm. So you don't end up in a campground with a, a two day uh, reservation and you realize how beautiful it is there. Yeah. And you want to stay, but you can't. Yeah. Yep. And there's places, a lot of people figure this out on their own. There's places they go in an RV in Alaska and they fall in love with that spot and they don't leave. And it's <laughs> yeah. time to come home because they yeah. get there and they realize the, the inherent health benefits of, of camping in an yeah. RV is that peace of mind and that relaxation and that getting away from all the noise that is all over the place in today's yep. world. They see the value once they start to feel it and they don't want to leave. Yeah. And and some people, when they get there, they cancel the rest of their plans for the trip because it, it's just too good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I want to just be here and suck yeah. it in for yep. sure. Yep. Yeah. And I think too, you know, like you were saying, the freedom is like a huge benefit of this. And in certain places, you also need a reservation. So I would just add to that, that like you can mix it up, right? If you want to really experience that freedom, don't plan on going to just Seward and Denali, (laughs) you know, like, like maybe do one of those or maybe both of them, depending on how long your trip is. And then you have time to go out to places like Nanilchik or somewhere along the Richardson highway or whatever, where there's going to be way fewer people. And you can just kind of go and have that freedom side also. And then you can really kind of have it all. Yeah. Yeah. There's a large number of campgrounds here that still do not take advanced reservations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the beauty about RVing in Alaska is you don't have to be in a campground. Yeah. You can yep. you can camp alongside the road at a pullout. It doesn't. You can go pretty much wherever you want to go that make that's within reason. Yep. And not need a reservation, and realize that yeah, I'm going to bop all over the state and never once needing to be any place at a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Okay. Anything else about favorite spots or favorite campgrounds, anything like that before we move on, Bob? Yeah. Uh, I I would encourage people to explore. Yeah. I would encourage, yeah. There's always, you always want to go where there's safety in numbers you always want to go where there's a lot of people around because especially when you're you're coming up here from the lower 48, you're used to being surrounded by a population. Some people get out in Alaska and get out on their own and get out where there's nobody there and it makes them very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I would encourage you to explore, uh, you know, poke at that uncomfortableness and find yeah. out you know, try and try and minimize it as much as possible, because the more you can do that, the more you're going to enjoy Alaska. Yeah. I totally agree. That is such great advice. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some logistics related to motorhome rental in Alaska. Are you like so many others out there? Aimlessly bouncing between Netflix, Prime, Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus, in search of something decent to watch? Unsure if you should still be spending top dollar at the movie theater. And asking yourself, just what in the heck is a 4K Ultra Remastered Blu-ray? Well, fret not, because Excuse the Intermission is here to guide you through the ever-changing cinematic landscape. On our podcast, we promise to keep you in the know on everything from the latest movie news and releases to the resurgent cult classics that are still influencing audiences decades later. Tune in each week on the chatternetwork.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All 
All right. We are back with Bob Johnson from Great Alaska Holidays. And Great Alaskan Holidays rents motorhomes to visitors in Alaska from all around the world. So that's what we're talking about today. So, Bob, how far ahead do people need to book if they want to rent a motorhome in Alaska? When do you recommend people actually book that? Well, to to have your choice of whatever size vehicle we have available in the fleet for that particular season, uh, I would recommend booking probably by the end of January prior to your trip, assuming that it's going to be a summer trip. Yeah. Um, so in that case, you know, five months, four, mm-hmm. four months out, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so I think what you're saying is that's when you kind of have all the options available usually. And if someone booked later, it doesn't mean that they couldn't. They just might not get their first choice of dates or the type of vehicle or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. So what what happens is typically around the holidays, families get together, families are talking about many things, one of which is where are we going to go on vacation next summer? Yeah, they start to plant those seeds, and then after the holidays or during the holidays, they start booking. Yeah, once that process starts and once that momentum starts to build, the availability goes down over the next three months. It's very, yep. very it, the capacity reduces rapidly from mid January through the end of March. Right, it's a heavy, heavy booking season. And the deeper you go into that booking season, the less options you have. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that lines up with, you know, many other parts of the Alaska visitor industry too, as far as what's available when that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So along those lines, what, what is your season roughly? What months of the year do you rent motorhomes? From the 1st of May to the end of September. Cool. Okay. Yep. That's pretty cut and dried. Yep. Um, okay. So how many people, and I know this varies. I know you have lots of different like seating and seatbelt and vehicle configurations. Uh-huh. But one thing I always try to encourage people to do if they're renting a motorhome is is make sure they've got the right seats for the number of people and know how that's all going to work. So could you share a little bit about that? How many, what's sort of the max number of people that could ride um, in one of your motorhomes on the road? And then kind of what's the range between the most and the least? Yeah. Um, the max number of people that can ride in a motorhome is usually in direct correlation to the number of seatbelts that are available in that motorhome. Yep. And that number changes as the motorhome length increases. Yep. Our website has diagrams and explanations of every single motorhome in our fleet. And it specifically states the number of people that motorhome sleeps and the number of seatbelts that are available in that motorhome. Yep. So it's very, very clear on our website. If you tour the floor plans section, all of that information is right there. It's very easy to understand. It is. And by the way, um, for those of you listening, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And I would just agree that um, the information about what the layout is inside and all of that is super clear and like really helpful. Yeah. Okay. And then your um, other your other question was about party size, I think. Um I think you answered it. I was ju- I was just sort of getting at like what's the max number of people that can actually ride in it aside from like sleeping or hanging out, but like how many people can actually be in yeah. seatbelts, which Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be between uh, if you wanted a, a range it's going to be between 4 and 8. Okay. Cool. And I'm just going to add, that's a really important thing when you're booking. Like if you have six people, make sure you're getting a motorhome that has six seatbelts. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. And that's easy to figure out, but um, just make sure that you do that. Okay. So, Bob, a lot of people, you know, when they arrive in Alaska, especially if they're from the East Coast or the Midwest or the South of the U.S., it's a super long day to, to get there and certainly internationally. So if someone is arriving in Anchorage like late at night or they're worried about being tired and jet lagged, what if they are picking up their motorhome that same day? What are some places that you think are good um, options for a place to go that first night? Or what are people's options there? Well, a lot of people just stay here um, in our parking lot. That's we, awesome. <laughs> we allow them access. We, we have a complimentary airport shuttle van that stops service. I, I think it's around five o'clock or something like that. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, it doesn't mean that those motorhomes are not accessible beyond that point. Mm-hmm. The only thing it means is you need to find your own transportation from the airport to us. Yeah. Which incidentally is only a 12 minute drive. So it's not hard to get here. Yeah. Once you're here, if it's after hours, we have what's called a after hours pickup where we will arrange your motorhome to be ready for you. And we will uh, indicate to you where the keys are. Your cab or your Uber, however you want to get here, drops you off at our front uh, front gate area. You already know what parking spot number your motorhome is in. And you pick up the keys where we tell you to where the keys are located, and you can go to your motorhome and spend the night in your motorhome. That's awesome. And don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And there, I mean, you just come in the next morning, you can wake up whatever time you want to, go through the paperwork, and you're gone. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would recommend to people who do that, and a lot of people really know this anyway, is if you need to stop for a, a midnight snack or a bottle of wine or whatever you want for that first night in your motorhome, mm-hmm. grab it during the transportation from the airport to us. Right. Because once you get there, yeah. you won't be able, you can stay in it, but you won't be able yeah. to drive it until yeah. the next day. Yeah. Correct. There's a yep. couple of places that are walkable, um, but walkable is like a mile away. Yeah, depending on your definition of yeah. <laughs> of how far you want to walk. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's always the DoorDash. You can always use DoorDash too, and they'll bring it to the parking lot. That's awesome. Great idea. You could get your get your pizza. <laughs> yeah, get it delivered <laughs> get it here and uh, just relax the first night. Because you're right. I mean, I, it doesn't really matter where you're coming from to Anchorage. You're tired when you get here. Totally. And when we, with overnight availability, after hours uh, pickup and such, it just makes that transition really smooth. Yeah. And I'm just going to add as a person who helps people plan their trips, like hotel rooms in Anchorage in the summer are like three to $500 a night. Like it's a really expensive place to stay in a hotel. And this way you can just kind of get settled and, and then go check in in the morning and be on the road. So that yeah. is a really yep. fantastic thing. That the other, the other nice thing about after hours pickup is you don't have to check into a hotel and then pack up and check out. Right. Once you get to your motorhome that evening, you're in your hotel. Yeah. For your whole and trip. If you have to go to the bathroom, Hey, there's a bathroom in your motorhome. Yep. If you need a microwave, Oh, there's a coffee maker, a microwave, everything's right there. Yes. That's really awesome. Cool. Okay. So anything else that you want to share, Bob, about motorhomes or anything that we forgot to talk about before we transition to talking about Anchorage a little bit? Yeah, just the orientation itself. A couple of years ago, at up until that point, a couple of years ago, we required uh, drivers to watch a 30 minute or so orientation video that tells you a lot about the motorhome here on site. And when you, in the dead of the summer, you got a bunch of people, 
that are trying to get in these video watching rooms that we only have so many of them mm-hmm. create some, created some bottlenecks. So two years ago, we uh, developed a system where they can watch the orientation video online in the comfort of their own home a couple of weeks prior to getting here. Oh, that's cool. And once they get here, they saved a bunch of time. They don't have to watch it. They've already watched it online. Yep. At home. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's the, whether you're viewing it online at home or here, the orientation video is super important because it answers a lot of questions that will inevitably come up out in the field if you don't watch the video. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty important. Yeah. Does it cover things like how to use a dump station? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Covers that. Covers, you know, really, really anything you'd want to know about the motorhome is in that video. Yeah. And dump stations, by the way, um, for those who aren't familiar with RVs, that is where you go to dump the toilet um, of the water of the motorhome. So yeah. it's an important thing. You want to get that right. <laughs> and they're all over the place. They're yeah. Not, and anybody hard. can do it. It does. It's not hard to do, but it is right. important to um, pay attention to you. Yes. How that works. Yes, for sure. Okay. Well, let's talk just a little bit about Anchorage because that's where Great Alaskan Holidays is located and also where you live. So I have three questions that I ask all of my guests about their place. So the first one is, what's your favorite month of the year in Anchorage? Oh, it's it definitely is May. Yeah. May is uh, by far the best month of the year um, because the entire summer is right in front of you. Um, it's the snow's melting, the, the 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 temperatures are rising, and at a certain point, the brown turns to green in a just a couple of short days. It just yes. it just pops. It's so magical when that. Oh, happens. it's fun to watch, it, and it's amazing because you think how how can it how can it blossom that quickly? Yes, but it does. It literally does. It does. I know exactly what you you mean by that, Bob. It's funny. I was talking in another podcast episode um, where we were talking about Fairbanks, and I remember when I first moved to Fairbanks. I'm from Seattle and in Seattle, spring takes about half the year. (laughs) You know, it's like February through June. And in Fairbanks, you know, it was like, just like what you're saying. And same in Anchorage. It's like, everything is brown and then it is green and it's so cool. Like it just happens so fast. It's so exciting. So then the other thing about May is, you know, it's May and you know, the entire there's a bunch of fun coming up quick. Yes. Totally. Okay. What about your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant in Anchorage or the uh, Anchorage area? It depends on the mood. Yeah. You know, it, it really depends on the time of year also. In the summertime, and nothing against restaurants, but in the summertime, I don't want to be inside. Yeah. Whether it's a restaurant or whatever, I just don't want to be inside. So. Yeah tend to gravitate toward places that you know have outside dining um but for the inside places we always move kind of towards suite 100 Mm -hmm. it's uh just down the road a mile and a half down the road great food reasonable prices um it's it's just a it's a very comfortable place to to have a nice dinner and for me and my wife that's always a what are we celebrating? That's where we go do it. Yeah. Unless it's in the summer. If it's in the summer, we tend to go to uh, chair five in Girdwood. Yeah. For, for two things, actually three things. The most important is their jukebox. <laughs> the second most important is the drive. Yeah. To, to and from Girdwood. And the third most important is their uh, their pizza, their nachos, and their French fries. Yes. Oh, and the vibe. Yeah. Yeah, Chair Five's cool. It is cool. Yeah, it's a great spot. Yeah. 
but I would suggest, I mean, we go to spots. Those are it. But yeah, if it, and the other place is the deck, the dining deck on the back of the lakefront hotel. Oh, where all the float planes come yeah. landing on Lake hood. Yep. If you want to be entertained, that's a good spot to go while you, while you eat because of those float planes. Yes. They're fun to watch. Yes. Super fun. All right. So finally, Bob, what's your favorite Anchorage activity? Like it's summer or winter, I guess. It's a day off. What are you going to be doing? Um, I like Anchorage. Don't get me wrong, but if I got a day off, I'm leaving Anchorage. <laughs> I, I mean, there's definitely. I'm getting out of town. On, yeah, you go up on Powerline Pass up on uh, Glen Alps and go for a hike. That's way cool up there. Um, yeah. And there's always something going on. Uh, there's always wildlife up there to watch. And it's pretty populated. So the, the risk factor is really not there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you decide you want to hike up on flat top, then it could get a little sketchy. But for the most part, that power line pass and all those trails that are up there are a good, quick, uh, close, accessible option. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other, like I said, I, I tend to, I tend to scatter. If I got the day off, you're probably not going to find me in town. Yep. Because you don't have to go that far out of town before you're in it. Yeah. You're in Alaska. And sometimes they just take a drive down to uh, Beluga Point and turn the car off and uh, pitch a lawn chair and just sit there for a couple of hours. Yeah. And can you share with folks where Beluga Point is? It's about 10 miles south of Anchorage. Yep, it's on the Seward Highway, and there's only one highway, and it's on the right hand or the uh, west side of the road. I, I think it's about ten miles. Give yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's a good a- spot. It's it's pretty. It's you know, and if you catch the the beluga whales roaming around out there, you can see forty or fifty of them at, at once sometimes. Yeah, and that's definitely if you're driving the Seward Highway, definitely stop there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. It was really yeah. great chatting with you. Thank you. I that was I very much enjoyed it. I appreciate your uh your invitation and I uh, had a good time chatting with you. Awesome. Well, for those of you out there listening, thanks to you for making this possible by listening to Alaska Uncovered. If you like what you heard, I would love to have you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Bye for now.